What does motion sound like? With Kizikans free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com/socks. What's going on guys? It's Mike Sarone from the DC Crossover podcast. Ben and I have been producing audio content since our teenage years. But now, don't we wish we had the tools you guys have to create and distribute your own content? Let me quickly tell you about our new sponsor, Anchor. Now, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's definitely something I love using. One reason, because it's free, people, F-R-E-E. As most of you may know, free is one of my favorite words, so don't get that mixed up. So no charge to start up with Anchor. Now let's talk about how easy it is to use. With Anchor, there are creation tools that allow you guys to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super simple and super accessible from anywhere. Now that you recorded, how do you distribute to the streaming apps? Anchor does it for you, folks. Whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or more, they got you. Using Anchor, you can actually make money from your podcast. Straight hard cash, homie. Whether you have a handful of friends, family, or group that wants to hear your content, there is no minimum listenership. It's everything you would ever need to make a podcast in one simple place. Want to get started? Here's what you guys need to do. Download the free Anchor app on your phone or go to anchor.fm to get your podcast started today. Now back to our nation's capital with Sarone and Simpson. As the Nationals are strike away from franchise history and some World Series history. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! It's not a dream! It's not a desert mirage! It's Lord Stanley! And he is coming to Washington! Oh, great crossover. Got him. That's called getting put on skates. Down to two, down to one, and the Washington football team with the upset in Pittsburgh, handing the Steelers their first loss of the season, coming back from 14-0 down. What a win. The show by the fans for the fans. Covering all four major sports in the District of Champions. It's the DC Crossover Podcast with your hosts, Mike Cerrone and Ben Simpson. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the DC Crossover here. We are live on the air here on The Contender. On the contender dot com for those for those who are frequent listeners of the DC crossover podcast, we are live here on the contender dot com. Ben Simpson, Mike Cerrone. You can catch our show throughout the week here on the website. But guess what? They gave us the keys, and we're here live after a tough Washington Capitals series loss, three one tonight. We're talking all things DC sports. It was a heck of a day. In D.C. sports, Mike, we had oh, yeah. the day kick things off with the Washington Wizards and the Washington Nationals both playing at the 1 o'clock slot. And then we finished things off with the Washington Capitals and Boston Bruins game here that just ended a few minutes ago. We'll be here for the next 60 minutes with you, taking your calls if you would like to vent your frustrations 
with the Washington Capitals, with the Washington Wizards, with the Nats, whatever you want to talk about, we are here for you. The call in number 855-908-5668 as I welcome in my partner, Mike Cerrone. Mike, I wanted to get initially your rapid reactions from this one because... Again, this was a series that you and I, last time we did the show, the podcast, we talked mm-hmm. about game one. That was last weekend, and we, we were in a much different mood than we sit <laughs> right now. I mean, Mike, when uh, after that show, we were celebrating a game one win, a, a, a game where the team played very physically. We were like, oh, yeah, this series, it may go five or six games, but we feel pretty comfortable. Mike, we're done. <laughs> we're yeah. out. Oh, I'm so salty right now, man. I mean, I could have a pretzel with all the salt I have right now uh, running through my veins because it's just a situation that has come down to, I even tweeted out on my Twitter, at Cerrone16, at the DC Crossover, as well as our show Twitter. Uh, Ben runs that. And that's the biggest thing is I tweeted it out saying, this should have been a 3-0 series lead for the Caps. The last two games, I should say in, in game two and three, they had a lead late in the third period. And then we had a few uh, situations in overtime where we ended up hitting the post a couple times. Tom Wilson hit one, I believe. And I think Dowd actually hit one as well. I think that was in game three. But, you know, when it comes down to it, our team is a little older. And we've talked about it on the podcast a few different times. And having four overtime periods in three games and only coming out with one victory really, I think, wore down our team. Because if you saw the last two games, which we both did, and some people out there as well, that's the issue is that I think we just couldn't get our legs out from underneath of our... uh, I mean, I don't even know what to say, to be honest with you. I think we were just a little older than they were. I mean, they have a lot of young guys. Taylor Hall's on the second line. He's a monster, uh, and he he, he proved true uh, for the last few games. But you're just looking at it and saying, you know, is this team getting older and slower, or what's happening here? Because... You're looking at it, and obviously we got Kuzi back, but that didn't really help too much except for the face-off situation. And I mean, it, there's a lot of questions right now, Mr. Simpson, that we could be asking ourselves about this team because a 4-1 loss is not good for a series outlook. Because, I mean, just looking at it uh, of our postseason uh, history over the last few years, you mentioned it to me off-air. We've lost in the first round now three years in a row, and we've had – Pretty darn good records over the last three years, besides the Stanley Cup win, obviously, in 18. Uh, you know, the last three years have just been awful, losing in the first round. Because even before the Stanley Cup win, we lost in the conference semifinals, which we at least won one round. And this year, obviously, with the whole entire weird seedings and all that kind of stuff, we knew it was going to be a tough first round with Boston. Uh, but at the same time, a 4-1, I mean, she's a 4-1 loss is just a terrible, serious situation when we lost four games straight when we won the first one in overtime in a thriller. So we'll go ahead and recap the series as a whole in a moment, but let's talk about the immediate, what happened tonight with this team and the 3-1 loss. And, uh, you know, the Caps' first period, kind of a kind of a sleepy first period, Mike. I think it was something where the team didn't seem to come out that sharp. Samsonov had a, a, a couple pretty nice saves early on, but neither team was able to really get anything going. And then you have the second period come around. Pasternak puts one in just a few minutes into the period. It goes, Caps go down one nothing. Then Bergeron, about 12 minutes later, 
a wrister to make it two nothing Boston. And at this point, when watching this game and watching how the series has gone, you know, I was kind of like, all right, I think this one, this one's in the bag. Uh, you know, you, right. you, you hope for the best for this team, but at the same time, just with how the Caps have been playing lately, you kind of figure this one's over, especially how uh, the previous game went. But then Connor Sheary in the third period scores eleven seconds into the third, and Mike. We talked about it on our group text. We tweeted it out at the DC crossover. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter as well. That the, this team ain't dead. And I'm telling you, this looked like an opportunity to not only turn around the game, but possibly turn around the series. Because this, that Connor Sheary goal gave this team a chance of, you still had 19 minutes or so to play in the third period. And you thought maybe, okay, if we can just get this thing tied up, and then you, you would love a go-ahead goal, but otherwise, you take this thing into OT, anything can happen. You get an OT a bouncer off somebody, and next thing you know, you're right back in the series. But unfortunately, Bergeron, of course, gets another goal, and uh, that's all she wrote, Mike. I mean, 3-1 final. We had a goal waved off uh, due oh, to boy. interference, which was kind of a tough call for those who were watching that live. Like, we were, I mean... It looked like Rask had enough time to get back set up where he was not affected on the goal. And, and we may be biased. This is a D.C. crossover, D.C. sports podcast. <laughs> but, Mike, I mean, you saw what I saw. What would you think? Now, if anyone knows out there the stipulations between goalie interference, call in 855-908-5668 because I am so confused how that was not allowed because the sole fact that yes, Kuzi, you know, he, he did get, he kind of got pushed in there a little bit, but he did cross check uh, Rask in the back. But at the same time I sat there during the replay and counted. He had like five seconds, not to mention he was back in the crease and he, he made an attempt to save that puck. So I don't understand how that, that, that goal got waved off because right there, that makes it two, three with five or so minutes to go. And we have a nice shot to tie that game back up. But I just didn't understand that whole entire situation because there must be a stipulation or something of that of that nature that goes into uh, goal interference. Now we, we've had that uh, you know called uh, for us in the past and against us in the past, and you know that just was a heartbreaker um, all in itself. But like you mentioned, Connor Sheary with that goal that could have changed the series because if you looked at it, Boston I think had a five zero shot advantage in the first period at some point, and since then we went forty one to fourteen which is a lot of shots. And Tuka Rask, don't get me wrong, Tuka Rask is one of the top, probably one of the top five goalies in the entire NHL, probably the entire world, we'll put it that way. And the, the, the monster, that is Tuka Rask, had 40 saves, 97% save percentage, well, if you want to round up, 98%. But at the same time, you're looking at it and saying, something has to break. And we thought that second goal was the heartbreaker, as you mentioned, because say we somehow come back we tie that game and somehow win in overtime or, or, or whatever it may be. Then we go back to Boston and we have a chance to use that momentum because you know how this team has been resilient, uh, especially in the, the, the cup run, where they were resilient to the point where they ended up coming back in most of those games for the most part after being down in the first period or whatever it may be. I, I thought after the second period, I was like, this looks bleak. But then Connor Sheary, you know, lights the lamp with like 30 seconds in to the period. I was like, okay, you know, it's, it's getting the blood flowing a little bit here. You know, we're looking pretty good. And then we're all of a sudden, you know, down 3-1. And it's like, oh, well, it's not looking too good again. But, you know, at the same time, it, it's just a situation that, you know, they played their hearts out tonight. But at the same time, 
it's not a good look because yes, we did, you know, win that last kind of weird game in the regular season to tie the season series, but we knew this whole entire series was going to be a situation where it was going to come down to who's more physical and who can get the dirty goals uh, or even the skill goals because there's so many skilled players on the ice for that for that matter. Uh, and, and the Bruins just just topped us, and, and that was unfortunate. But at the same time, you know, it was a good series. Like I said before, though, we should have had a three zero series lead, and we should have we should have had tighter defense down the stretch in games two and three. Now, Mike and I aren't here to make excuses for this team. <laughs> you know, we're not uh, we're not here to do that. But at the same time, Mike, there were a couple factors that I feel like just just things looking back at the series as a whole that you, you you're gonna wonder what if. For example, right. what if Vitek Vanacek doesn't tear his uh, groin or whatever it was, <laughs> you know, five minutes into game one of the series and we put Craig Anderson, which, give Craig Anderson credit, did give us the win in game one and then played pretty well in game two at 44 saves in the loss. That was a uh, the, the overtime loss in game two. But you got to think now, well, Samsonov was terrific i feel like for the series which is weird to say about a series that you lose but right. samsonov i feel like had some really really strong moments especially in in the double ot game uh his first game back uh it, since what you know march or whatever it was i don't know it had been a while it was like it was like a month yeah right sure. right right so you know I, but i think you gotta wonder okay let's say vanacek is still able to play in that game one and the the Caps are still able to win, and now you have the choice of Vanacek, and and you've got Samsonov as options, and and that sort of thing. I think, you know, you just got to wonder a little bit about that. But I don't think this was about the goaltending, Mike. I don't think the series was about that. It, it seems like you know Boston, obviously, super scrappy team. Mm -hmm. That game one was more physical than a lot of game ones that I've typically seen, and the Caps ended up pulling that out, and it felt like. The especially after the double overtime loss in Game Three, right. that this team kind of lost its mojo. Uh, the Caps did because it seems like you play three straight overtime games, including a double overtime game. You go one and two in those games, and you've expanded a lot of energy. You're an older team in general, as we've talked about. It it, it just creates a tough situation going into that Game Four, and they got smoked. 4-1. So, right. I mean, you're right in some things you brought up early on is in the fact that, you know, this is a older team. This is a team that played really, really hard in the regular season to get where they were. They grind it out, even in the shortened season. Uh, and then, you know, now you look at it and maybe did they kind of peak too early, Mike? I mean, did they use too much energy to get to this point? These are all questions that we're going to be asking ourselves for the off season. Uh, and the time ahead. But again, the series as a whole, Mike, we had the the, the game one, the 3-2 win for the Caps. Craig Anderson gets the spot start. Not the spot start. He can't, comes into the game after <laughs> Vanacek's injury. Uh, comes off the street, pretty much. Um, yeah. Then you have game two. Anderson gets the start. Caps lose at 4-3. Uh, Marchand, of course, who was just, that guy kills me, Mike. Uh, I do not like him. I do not like him. I mean, Does that, anybody that's... like him outside of the city of Boston? I don't even know if Boston people like him, to be honest with you. I mean, he, he's not a good person. Um, but well, that, we don't know that. He might be a nice guy. He could be. He could be. He, he, <laughs> he doesn't look like it. He's not a good person. He doesn't look like it, though. That's, right. that's, that's for sure. At least. Yeah, he's a scrapper. I mean, he is. I mean, I don't know if it if it's because <laughs> he's also kind of a smaller guy, but he's so feisty. I don't know yeah. what it is, but 
I mean, obviously we've watched him throughout the regular season and for years, but man, he is annoying out there sometimes. I mean, right. all teams have. I mean, I'm sure teams say the same thing about Tom Wilson. I mean, that guy annoys the crap out of everybody. But um, you know, I love him. <laughs> well, of course we love him. We love Tommy. But uh, you know, and then the Caps, of course, losing the double overtime goal off of right. a bad penalty or not penalty, a bad turnover. I mean, uh, yeah. behind the net, which just shouldn't have happened. Uh, and then, and then you know, again the the game four four one loss, and then tonight three one. So, um, you know, you mentioned this was a pretty well fought series to be, especially uh, even though you lose four one in the series. Uh, any other positive takeaways from this series at all? Well, the, the biggest thing about the seedings when they came in is the entire uh, uh, Metro East or whatever they call it, the Mass Mutual East and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that whole entire uh, situation with the seedings between us, the Isles, the Pens, and the Bruins, this is the one team I didn't want to play because I knew that the Bruins, they're, they're just, as you said, they're a scrappy team. they got a great goaltender in Rask, but they have Patrice Bergeron, Taylor Hall, Brad Marchand, and 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 David Pasternak, and that, those are those are four guys right there. I mean, you saw Pasternak tonight doing you know a loop de loop three sixties. He did a nice uh, between the legs for his goal. I mean, it, you're looking at it, and some of these guys, and not even DeBrusque as well. He's 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 a he's a handler as well. And that's a, you just look at this situation and say they have players on multiple lines, and not not saying the Caps don't, but. The problem was is we didn't have Kuznetsov, who is one of our heroes for the Stanley Cup run back in the day, and then you had him out for the first for the first game, and you're just looking at him and saying, well, he hasn't played for a month or, or however long it was, and then Samsonov was supposed to be our starter, and he hasn't played for a month, even though Vanacek, you know, he was supposed to be the starter coming in because obviously Samsonov was gone, uh, but then he got hurt, as you said, he, he tore every ligament in his, in his groin or something like that, um, you know, from that, that split, doing a gymnastics move or something, and then you're looking at it and just saying, this is the team that you did not want to play because, yes, the Pens have a lot of, a lot of great players. I mean, Crosby obviously leads the way, Jake Gensel, I mean, you've got a lot of players for the Pens, but I think that uh, uh, Jerry, or I forgot what his, what his last name is. I keep messing it up for some reason. I don't know why. But <laughs> their goalie is not as good as as as, uh, as Tuka Rask. And then you have uh, the Isles, and you know we just dominated them the entire season. So that first seed was detrimental in trying to get that so we didn't have to play the Bruins, and the Bruins and the Pens could match up with one another and we could play the Isles. But I, I, I was worried at that point, and then when we recorded the podcast – I was like, eh, you know, you asked me that question is, are you, are you confident? And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I feel kind of confident. You know, I've won nothing and stuff like that. Obviously not anymore, not anymore four games in a row. Um, but the positive is, is that, you know, you go in here, you have some of these younger guys and, and uh, that are getting more playing time, especially with the, soul, the whole entire fact that, you know, Vanacek coming from the AHL and the Hershey Bears, and then you see uh, Ilya Samsonov uh, getting some playing time as well. They got a little bit. I mean, I mean, except for Vanacek. Vanacek only got like maybe you know, I don't even know how much time in the playoffs uh, for the playing time. But at least Samsonov, who's supposed to be quote unquote the future, got some playing time uh, in the playoffs and got some. Uh, I guess you could say he got a nice little uh, awakening of how difficult uh, NHL playoff hockey is uh, with how he was playing against the Bruins because that kind of felt like it was an Eastern Conference Final type of situation. Um, so. Not a lot of positives to go on because obviously Ovi was very upset throughout the last two games or so. Uh, you saw it in the news and different things of that nature. Um, but not a lot of positives in my opinion. But, you know, you just got to look at this and say, 
the window is closing with Ovechkin playing the way he's playing. The window is closing with Nicholas Backstrom, you know, getting a, a ton of assists every single year. And this, the situation is you have to, if you're going to try to get one of these, one of these series, I mean, you know, in the next say two, three years, I mean, yes, hockey is a different animal for how late guys can play, but you got to start, you know, trying to get another cup in here because losing four one is probably one of the worst series losses that we've had over the last decade, probably. Um, but at the same time, you're looking at it. They played hard in the first few games, but you know, it just, it just was mental mistakes in certain games that really, uh, really, really took a turn for the worst. And like you said, that four one deficit going back to game four, that was a big deal because we didn't get a chance to talk about that, uh, too much right now, but the Bruins just played fantastically on defense, blocking so many shots. Now I was watching it with a Bruins fan. And he was just saying, like, how did the Caps only have, like, 15 shots? And I said, because you keep blocking all of them. You know, it's like, like what are we supposed to do here? Um, so uh, that was that was pretty bad. But at the same time, you know, uh, we got to move on to the Wizards, the Nats, and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, it, it's unfortunate, but we just got to hope that, you know, uh, you know, the whole entire organization figures out who they don't want to get stolen by the Kraken in Seattle uh, to try to keep this core together. Because I think we have a good core. I just think we got to get a little bit younger, like we've talked on the podcast, and uh, you know, on to next season, pretty much. As far as some guys in this series that you know their performance and their numbers and things like that, we'll go through some of those. I mean, Ovi had a pretty good series overall. A couple goals, a couple assists, so four points for Ovi. I mean, th- that's that's the type of production you kind of want out of him. I mean, at this stage, he's not you know as he's getting up in age and things like that. I mean, you're not going to expect him to do. I mean, four points is is four points. He led the team in points in this series. You got to like what you got out of him. You got to like what you got out of Garnet Hathaway, um, who had that fourth line a pretty good series as well. Yeah, especially coming off of that fourth line, Hathaway three points in the series, two goals and assist. Oshie played pretty well, one goal, two assists, three points. You 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 maybe would have liked. I mean, it would have been nice if Oshie would have been able to get one more across. you know that that would have been that would have been something, but a guy that really, I mean, I hate to rag on the guy because he's a former Detroit Red Wing, but but Mike <laughs> Anthony Mantha, a goalless this whole series, and oh, and, yeah. and that was a guy, and he did get a couple assists, so he got a couple points, but that was a guy that I felt like I was kind of expecting. Uh, going into the series that because we saw Anthony Mantha's coming out party when he got traded to the Caps and then just was scoring goals like crazy. And obviously that's the regular season. This is the playoffs. But at the same time, you brought in a guy like Anthony Mantha to be another scoring option, especially in big games like in the playoffs. I mean, he's got the big size. He's got the killer shot. I mean, this is a guy who's who's tough. He's young. And you kind of expected, okay, this is the type of guy you love to have in the postseason because he can try to get hot and, and help out guys like Oshi, guys like Ovi, who are scoring all the goals always. Uh, and he was goalless, Mike. I mean, he was right. not able to do anything out there, it seemed like. Do you think it was a case of, okay, this guy's been you know, in Detroit for his whole career, <laughs> not making playoffs because they've been so bad, and now he's on a bigger stage for once, and now he's having to – you know, a little more pressure and things like that. Do you think it's a case of that or just, you know, he just happened to have a bad series, wasn't able to get it going? I think also it has to deal with the matchup because the Bruins, they're pretty physical as well. Obviously, like you mentioned earlier, we saw it in the first game where there was like 50 hits for the, the Caps and like 42 for the Bruins. I mean, the biggest thing about Anthony Mantha is, and you see it last, or you saw it in this game tonight, 
that he only had 12 minutes of time on the ice. I mean, 15 shifts. I mean, he was fifth lowest for forwards on the entire Caps roster that was playing tonight for time on the ice. I mean, Connor Sheary, obviously, he's not going to get that many. Then you also look at somebody like Garnet Hathaway, Carl Haglin, uh, Nick Dow, those type of guys who are in the fourth line. But Anthony Mantha was supposed to be a second line forward to the point where he was going to go in there and, and, and play to the point where you're playing with Oshie, you're playing with Nicholas Backstrom on that second line. You have to go in there and produce. And like you said, we saw it in the first few games when he was on the Caps that he was scoring goals every single game and and contributing um, in many different ways. But to me, it just felt like he was skating. And I know he's a big dude. But it just felt like he was just gliding half the time. I didn't. Th- I didn't see tons of. And I'm not trying to rag on him, but I didn't, didn't see so much uh, hustle out of him. I guess you could say because I mean, most of the time it just kind of looked like he was just like skating into the zone nice and easy, and then the, then the Bruins would just catch back onto him, and he wouldn't get it, be able to get a shot off, or he was trying to look for a pass or something of that nature. I just didn't understand why he was just skating like like he was you know down and resting you know at, at the little the local ice rink or something like that, just like <laughs> skating with his kids or something. It was, sure. it, it, I, I, that's a weird kind yeah, of analogy. No, so you're saying like he wasn't skating with urgency, it seemed like. He wasn't like, exactly. Yeah, getting to that extra gear. I mean, and, and I agree with you. And I think you could say that for a lot of the Caps players in this series. I think there was that grit that we had seen from this team for the regular season and especially in game one, the physicality and things like that. I mean, it seemed like that just really started going away and it seemed like the team was no longer kind of playing at that extra level that they needed to, especially in the playoffs. I mean, Mike, it didn't feel like, at least when you, by the time you got to that game four, it felt like this was a regular season game at this point. Like, it didn't right. feel like the Caps were playing like, hey, if we lose this, we're down 3-1 and we're toast. So we really need to get something going here in game four. It just felt, I don't know, they felt a little lifeless at times. And, and again, I don't know what that's contri- uh, attributed to. I, I wonder if it's just expanding too much energy uh, during the regular season. I wonder if it's just guys are older now. or I don't know what it is. But it, it, this was tough to watch because this was a team, again, Mike, we've we've seen... This beat happened three straight times, three straight first round exits for the Caps. Um, and that kind of begs the question is, as we kind of wrap up some of the Caps talk and we'll be talking yeah. Wizards here soon. So, by the way, if you are a Wizards fan and would like to get some of your thoughts in for today's game one game, feel free to call in 855-908-5668. But, uh, you know, is this is this you, you mentioned the window closing? Uh, do you think that the window is is closed at this point after the series? I mean, three straight first-round losses, or is there still a little bit left? I, I mean, I honestly think there's a little bit left because of the sole fact that they do have a nice core with Tom Wilson, with Kuznetsov whenever he doesn't have COVID, apparently. Uh, and, and then you have uh, you know Ilya Samsonov, who's a young goaltender. And you, you have young guys around here. And then you also have a few guys in the farm system as well that are coming up. I just think when I say the window is closing, I mean more so like Ovechkin and Backstrom are two of the guys that have led this team for years and years. And that's why it was a huge deal when they won the cup. And that's why everyone around D.C. was just like embracing the entire uh, photo of Backstrom and Ovechkin saying like, hey, we did it because they've been together for so long. So now they're in their 30s. John Carlson is not getting any younger. He's one of the top, probably one of the top five to ten uh, defensemen in the entire league. Um, some people may differ on that, but I think he's he's one of the best. Uh, and, and you're looking at it and saying, these guys aren't getting any younger. 
And yes, in hockey, you can play until you're 42. I mean, look at Zeno Chara. I mean, I think I talked about it in the podcast the other day. I thought he was like 38, 39. The guy's like 57 years old, and he's out there skating. <laughs> hey, it's just he, unbelievable. he was a little feisty tonight. I <laughs> oh, I saw, oh, I saw that. I was like, whoa, I don't want to be Especially in the middle of that. Especially his former team, too. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And that's the thing is, you know, in, in hockey, you can you can play until you're you're older. But the thing is, is that people look at Ovechkin and they say, like, this guy is one of the best players in the entire NHL. He's a top five player in the entire he, – he can score at will, which he can. Don't get me wrong. But when you're looking at it, you know, he's not going to produce – And this is just a realistic viewpoint, by the way. This is a realistic viewpoint that some people who are just casual Caps fans, they say, oh, Ovechkin, yo, he's great. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. He's going to score so many goals. If he doesn't score a lot of goals – I mean, then people are going to say, like, oh, well, he sucks now. Like, I mean, the, the thing about it is, is it's because everyone has seen Ovechkin and he plays at that high motor. I mean, tonight he had the highest hit total out of the entire Caps lineup. So you're looking at it, at least for the forwards, and you're looking at it and saying, like, this guy, how much is his body going to be able to take? And you're looking at, you know, for future seasons and saying, is his body going to shut down? Is he going to be able to, you know, you know, keep flying around and doing different things of that nature? We don't know. We just don't know. And you know, when is Father Time going to, going to, going to, you know, spell, uh, you know, cast a spell on Ovechkin? Because I mean, hockey is kind of like golf. I mean, we saw it today in the PGA Championship with Phil Mickelson. Sure. You know, at 50 years old, winning the PGA Championship, that was incredible. So you know, why not Ov play for another four or five years at a high level until he starts slowing down? Uh, you know, we don't know. And obviously his contract is coming up and stuff like that. So we'll have to see what ha- happens with that. But, you know, Ovech, or excuse me, Backstrom just got re-signed recently. Carlson as well. So, you know, they're trying to keep that, th- those core three guys, their top defensemen and their top two uh, producing, I should say, uh, forwards intact. So we'll have to see. The last point that I wanted to make, um, and uh, and you talked about players that, that kind of let us down a little bit, Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson is, we, we mentioned him a second ago, Tom Wilson didn't do really anything these last uh, you know three or four games. Right. Because, I mean, you're looking at it, didn't have any points tonight, didn't have any points in game, in game four, didn't have any points in game three, didn't have any points in game four, uh, two. I mean, that's a lot of time on the ice, too. He had 25, almost 26 minutes time on the ice, and he was a minus one in that double OT game. Now, he did have two points and was a, a crucial point, in that Saturday, uh, May 15th game that we got in game one. And that's just the thing is that you look at it and he had four shots on goal. The last three games, he basically didn't have an average of one. I mean, he was, he was basically doing, you know, just going out there for physicality. And that's the bad thing penalties, is penalties, Mike. I mean, yeah. he had a bad penalty tonight early in this game. Yeah. And that's, the, that's just the thing is that I'm looking at that and that's just really a, an issue. And, one thing that I, I would, if I had uh, you know the opportunity to coach or ask Coach Lavulette a question is, why didn't Sprong play for those few games? Now I understand that he was filling in pretty much for for Ovi when Ovi was you know on the mend trying to trying to heal his his, his injuries and all that stuff. But Sprong was scoring. He he scored like six out of se- uh, six goals in like seven games or whatever when he was filling in for Ovi. Then he was a healthy scratch for like two of the games this series. So I was kind of wondering, yeah, he, and I saw him tonight. He played, you know, he was lights out, I think, tonight. He had four shots, which is one of the tops on the team because that's more shots than Backstrom, Eller, Haglin, Hathaway, Mantha, your boy Mantha. I mean, he had the same amount of shots as Ovi. I mean, the only one that had more was Kuznetsov with five, 
And that's the biggest thing is you're looking at him. He only had 13 minutes of time on ice, and I saw him making more of an impact than a lot of people. Him and Garnett Hathaway were, were just on fire tonight, and they wanted to win this, this game. And that's the biggest thing. As I said, why didn't Sprong play more? Because he was on fire coming into the playoffs, and then he had, like, what, two healthy scratches? I just didn't understand that situation. And obviously they know more about it than I do. I'm just a, a fan, you know, a diehard fan looking at it from the outside in. And I just don't understand that kind of dynamic. Now, it could have been for how their lines were set up or something of that nature, but I don't know. And that's Those are the two, two players that I had uh, clear questions on with Tom Wilson not producing the last four games. I mean, he was a, a huge uh, a part of that first game win. And then the last four games, not tallying a single point was a big deal. And then, then Sprong, obviously, not playing in a few games. Uh, you know, that was a, a, an issue for me as well. So, I don't know. I mean, the season's over, so we can ask all the questions we want. But, you know, you know how it is. It's just it's it's a woulda, coulda, shoulda situation. And, uh, you know, I think it was kind of a wasted season for how hot they were in the middle of that season. Yeah, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because I think this I'm team, frustrated, man. This team I'm had so frustrated. More chance. Uh, this team, I, I thought, could at least get out of this first round. I thought going into the series, I thought this team is is hopefully. I, I knew it was going to be tough, but I figured, okay, maybe six games, maybe even seven. This team may be able to get out of Boston, and and then you know, at that point. Who knows? But you don't want to lose in the first round three straight years. That's something right. that you don't want over your head, especially coming off of a cup. But uh, last thing, as far as contracts goes, we mentioned, you know, Alexander Ovechkin, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, uh, you know, coming up here. Uh, you, you've got Backstrom with the long contract. Kuzi still has a long contract. Oshie's still on a long contract. So a lot of a lot of that core is still going to be intact for a while. Mantha, yep. Wilson. I mean, you're going to see a lot of the same faces here for the next few years. So it's not like necessarily that this team has any plans, at least hopefully, of of, of, of blowing things up. Um, but, you know, Ovechkin is going to be the big question, I think. I mean, that's going to be hanging over this team as far as the great eight and his kind of, you know, the, the end of his career here and, and kind of what's, what's going to happen there. So we'll see. But overall, a tough, tough finish to a season that the Caps gave us some really great moments this year. I mean, in a shortened season, the Caps really put together a strong season. They were able to, uh, yeah, I mean, they got the two seed instead of the one seed, but still 77 points on the year. You had 36 wins, 15 losses, five OTs. Um, uh, you know, this this was a solid, solid season for the Caps, so it stinks to have them go out like this. And I guess one last quick question for you. Do you think, and again, this is another what if, <laughs> the, the, playoff, the playoff format for this year, taking the four teams from each division rather than having things spaced out more, um, do you think that had any effect? The fact that the Caps had to play a team in Boston that they had already played, what, eight times during the regular season that knew them really well already instead of kind of a regular season where it, things are spread out more, you're not just playing the same seven teams over and over and over again. Uh, do you think that had any effect? I, I honestly do because when you look at it at, right now, when you're looking at the East, for instance, you know, the Caps and the Pens, yes, they had the tiebreaker. The Pens had that tiebreaker. But when you're looking at the, the, the typical Eastern standings, you know, the Caps would have been pretty high. I mean, the Caps would have been, I believe, if I'm doing my math correctly, the fourth seed. So they would have played the, uh, the fifth seed, I believe. But you're looking at it and saying, okay, you know, some teams had the COVID situation and they're, they, you know, COVID players and all that kind of stuff. So th this season, 
was kind of like a, a last season carryover. And it started becoming more normal, uh, more you know, towards the middle of the season. Now they're starting to let fans in. I mean, I mentioned the PGA Championship. That was a mob scene today. Go back and check on that. That was incredible how many fans were there and how many fans were just not wearing masks and all this kind of stuff. That was a whole other story. But you're looking at it and saying it kind of started getting back to normal kind of near the playoffs, which was nice. But at the same time, you know, we saw you know, Kuznetsov, we saw Samsonov, you know, down the stretch. We didn't have them because of COVID. And, you know, COVID's starting to hopefully get under control right now. And, you know, looking at the playoff scenes, it, it just, you know, it was cool to see because, you know, we did see the top four player or top four teams, excuse me, in the East go and make it because you look at the Rangers, Flyers, Devils, and Sabres, they weren't even close uh, to the Islanders because they were 11 points away for the Rangers, that is. Uh, to be in that fourth seed. And that's the biggest deal that I had is with the Penguins, you know, overtaking us and stuff like that late in the season. I just think that, you know, it was nice to see a hard fought first round, but we've gone through it years and years where we're like, okay, you know, we don't like how the playoffs are seated and all this kind of stuff. And honestly, I like this a little bit better because yes, okay. We did get ousted by the Bruins, but in years past, if you saw it, you know, we would be playing the Pens in the second round. And, and at, at times, us and the Pens were the two best teams in the entire NHL. So why would you want to have the two best teams playing in the second round? That makes no sense. And that's why you're looking at, like, uh, the, the series going on right now where there's a lot of good games. I mean, Winnipeg j- just, just you know, tied up with Edmonton. And I think Winnipeg, if I'm not mistaken, is, is up 2 nothing in their series, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, I'm not watching the, the Western Conference games right now. Uh, but you're looking at it and saying, like, a lot of these series are coming down to the wire, except for the Avalanche one. That was a blowout. But, I mean, some of these teams who you don't think are going to be, you know, in there in, in previous years with how the seedings are and stuff like that, I mean, it's kind of crazy to just, just to see how this season uh, ended up and how it's how it's going because I mean look at the Dallas Stars they had their COVID issues in the beginning of the season they didn't even make the playoffs and they were in the Stanley Cup final last year uh, and, and that's just a shot a shot at my one of my good friends the Stars fan sure <laughs> um, but uh, you know it, it's just a situation where I do like it because you're taking the top four teams out of those divisions and you know making them square off and that's basically the top teams in the entire NHL um, but situations where it comes down to um, in playoff hockey, I mean, it doesn't really matter where you get seated. Playoff hockey is just playoff hockey. I mean, it's it's you know, there's no way there's no way to describe it, Ben. That's the biggest thing. There's no way to describe playoff hockey until you get there and you see these two teams, whether it be a one and an eight seed, like we saw in Caps past, where if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was Varlamov um, taken with the Montreal Canadiens who beat the Caps as an eight seed for the Canadiens uh, way back. Jeez, this might have been back in the uh, I don't even know exactly what year that was. Um, I'd have to go back and look at it. But I know the Caps won the President's Trophy, if I'm not mistaken. It might have been 2010, uh, and that was un- unbelievable uh, how you saw that. But it's it, I do like the, the playoff seedings, but at the same time, you know, I'm still a little salty, like I said earlier in the program. <laughs> yeah, I think I think obviously, you know, everybody's working on the same plane, so it's you know we can't complain too much about it. But still, right? Um, there's there's a lot of things. Again, it's the what ifs, especially like you know, what if uh, they were able to pack the fans in there at 100 percent capacity? Like I believe the restrictions were going to be lifted. I think uh, for, uh, first or second week of June coming up here. So you, you got to think. Not that that would have changed everything, but still, a packed house at Capital One Arena is going to be a little different than you know, a half capacity or a quarter capacity or whatever it is. So, um, you know, it is what it is. But again, the Caps <laughs> do lose uh tough, tough day for D.C. sports in general. 
Let's move on, Mike, to the other team in the playoffs here in the district. Well, the only team, I guess, left in the playoffs in the <laughs> district, by the way. If you want to talk Wiz, feel free to give us a call, 855-908-5668. We're talking Washington Wizards now. We're going to switch over to some basketball talk. The Wizards and the Sixers, game one today, 125-118, the Sixers won. A um, couple things on this, Mike, as far as my rapid reactions from the game earlier. Um, one is... I think exactly what I talked about on our podcast, which, by the way, you can listen to our show on demand whenever Mike and I put it out once a week. You can listen on any platform. We prefer you listen, of course, right here on The Contender. The, the show typically streams on Tuesday afternoon, but if it, there's, it's also available on iTunes and uh, Spotify and things like that. But listen to, listen to us on The Contender. But, Mike, one of the things I mentioned in an earlier episode, when you and I, before we knew where the Wizards were going to be matched up in the playoffs, uh, we had talked about the, the two opportunities with possibly the Nets and possibly the Sixers. And the team that I specifically said that I would like to be matched up with was the 76ers. And I think we got to see a little bit of why that is. And and, and this game, while it was a loss, the Wizards were in this game for for a lot of it. Uh, you know, the, until the very end, this thing was pretty close. I mean, I don't think the Sixers took more than a nine-point lead. Maybe it got up to 11 at one point, but I'm pretty sure it stayed. I think you're right. I think you're right. Right around that mark. And I think it's because I think the Wizards are a bad matchup for Philly for a lot of for for a lot of the game and a lot of the guys on the floor, the one guy from the Philly side that I think is a bad matchup for the Wizards and they can't stop is Tobias Harris. That's the guy who he, he put up 37 today. Uh, I think the Wizards just don't really have an answer for him. I mean, you have guys like Daniel Gafford and Robin Lopez to try to and Alex Len to try to stop Joel Embiid. You've obviously got you know, Russ and Beal and, and, and some of the other guards to try to get under the skin of Ben Simmons, but you don't really have that middle guy, that, that defensive stopper for a guy like Tobias Harris, who's kind of that lengthier 3-4 type hybrid guy. Um, but Mike, overall, I thought the team played really well today. As far as our kind of initial takes on this game, yes, they lost, but I felt like they were in this game for most of the game. Besides some bad turnovers late, and besides Tobias Harris just going off, I think the Wizards, they could have snuck away with a win in this one. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing is what you're talking about is they they could have snuck away with a win, but the biggest thing is they had resiliency throughout the entire game where you saw the Sixers, I believe it might have been like a 16-4 to four run or a three-minute drought for the Wizards uh, for field goals, and they ended up you know coming back, and they were only down by four at, at, a, at a certain point in the fourth quarter, and then obviously the Sixers, you know, they had uh, the late little a uh, couple buckets uh, in the whole entire rust situation with the heel on the line and all that kind of stuff. But you're looking at it and saying, I believe you are co- completely correct with they can't stop Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris is like that X factor, which you know him, uh, you know, from his time up in Detroit, I believe. Right. And uh, that's the biggest thing is he took 29 shots. I mean, 29 shots a lot. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest here. That's more than Embiid and Ben Simmons combined. And he made over 50% of those shots. And that's the thing is, I believe in the first half, he might have had like 26 points. So he had like 26 of those 37 in the first half, and the Wizards were still up by one. So that's the biggest thing is you're looking at him, and he was only a plus two uh, when it comes down to it, but that was more so, I, I think, in the second half. Um, 
but it just comes down to can the Wizards keep up with the Sixers? Sixers have a great defense. They just do. They're one of the best defensive teams in the entire uh, NBA. I was about to say NHL, but we just talked about the NHL. <laughs> uh, but Joel Embiid, you know, and I, I ate my humble pie earlier. Uh, I told you uh, and a couple other people that we talked to in a little inner circle that I think Joel Embiid was very overrated. And I mean, I obviously am eating humble pie now um, because he I mean, had the 30 guy points. almost the guy was in the MVP race for a lot of the season, and Mike exactly. Mike's just hating on him. Oh, I was I was bashing him for for a lot in the beginning of the season. Sure. I was like, this guy gets hurt. This guy, you know, all this kind of stuff. But you know, twelve of thirteen free throws. That was the biggest thing. And you look at Ben Simmons; he's zero for six. I mean, it, I want to know if Ben Simmons is one of the biggest busts ever um, because everyone gave him so much hype from LSU, and he went zero for six from the line. Yeah, he had fifteen assists and fifteen rebounds, which is great. But I mean, six points. I mean, for a guy who played thirty eight minutes, that's nothing. Um, but at the same time, I guess you could say that he, he contributed in other ways. I'm right. just trying to make excuses at this point. Um, I know, but- I know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's tough. But I, I feel like, but I mean, here's my thing. is, And, and I, I know Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are, 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 are very good basketball players. Um, but at the same time, they are, and I feel like this is the fan of me, and that's what you're getting with our show. Yeah. Mike and I are two fans. Is They are two of the most annoying guys to watch on the floor in basketball oh, yeah. because – a couple reasons. They, the the constant complaining to the officials, especially in this game, where I feel like Philly fans think that they got a bad draw from the officials in this game. I mean, Embiid was getting called for offensive fouls, but it was because he was barreling guys over and throwing <laughs> his elbows and things like that. There were a couple other plays where I feel like some of the Philly guys were getting on the officials a little bit, and it's like, guys, this you guys, I mean, you are the number one seed. So, you know, you should be the ones that, yeah, of course, they're going to try to sweep and try to win the series. But at the same time, you guys shouldn't be complaining nonstop. You are the guys in the driver's seat in this series. So I don't know right. what you're doing getting on the officials in game one already. Uh, Joel Embiid, uh, the occasional flop artist as well. But, um, you know, this is a very good Philly basketball team. Obviously, they are. They finished with the number one seed for a reason. They are good. Uh, and they have some really strong role players. I mean, and, and Tobias Harris, I feel like I don't even know if you can call him a role player, Mike, because I feel like he's so no. good that I feel like you've got to consider him as the number three in our in the three-headed monster of Philly. Uh, I mean, obviously, had a monster game today. But Danny Green off the bench hits three threes. Seth Curry is there to hit threes. He hit three of them as well. I mean, that's what those guys are there for. That's specifically why they were brought in is to be able to hit from beyond the arc. Mike, today, the, uh, the not the Pistons, the Wizards didn't really have that type of shooter. I mean, Bertans, give him credit. He went four for eight today. He hit some big shots, but they didn't really get any other three-point shooting, the Wizards. Uh, I mean, Westbrook, 0 for 2. Uh, Rui happened to hit a couple threes, which was great, but Beal, 1 for 6 from beyond the arc, yep. and, and nobody else was shooting threes, obviously. So, you know, you kind of miss not having another shooter, just like how Philly has a couple really strong shooters. Beal overall in this game, 33-10-6, played pretty well. I mean, I, I think this was a decent game, 13 for 23 from the field, 6 for 6 from the line. Six turnovers, though, from Beal wasn't great, and six to- turnovers for Westbrook. And that's uh, going back to Westbrook, Mike. Let's talk about him for a little bit because there were some key moments late in this game where Westbrook – had some turnovers that 
could have changed the game if he was able to to keep the ball in play. I mean, he had obviously the the review call um, along the side along the sideline, which was after a rebound for the Wizards. They uh, I forget who got it, Gafford or somebody, and they tried to pass it to Westbrook. He was going out of bounds, so he tried to kind of keep the dribble in. They said his heel hit the line. Questionable. I mean, you and I were talking about it. It looked like yeah. he had possibly stayed in, but I think it was too close to really overturn. Um, so that was a play where all he had to do was pass it back into a guy to keep the ball in bounds, and he would have been fine. He doesn't do that. There's another play where they go down on offense, and Westbrook, uh, I think there was a screen or something like that, and he loses the ball, another turnover. There were some bad turnovers in this game that changed. I mean, the Wizards, I think, at one point were down like five points, they had the ball, an opportunity to cut it to one possession game. They turned the ball over. Next thing you know, Philly comes down and hits a three. I mean, that is what changes games, Mike. And we saw some pretty bad turnovers tonight or today, I guess. God, the game was eight hours ago. It's hard to remember. <laughs> um, that, you know, I, I think if the Wizards clean that up, it's a different series. It's a different yeah, game. Exactly. And you're looking at the fourth quarter, 26-25 in favor of the 76ers. And we had about... I, like I said earlier, we had about a three-minute drought of no field goals and also, like you just mentioned, multiple turnovers from Beal and Westbrook. I think it comes down to them trying to do too much because Beal, especially when Westbrook wasn't here, especially last year, he was trying to do everything. And when it comes down to one player trying to do everything, that's when everything starts to fall apart, in my opinion. You saw Bertans finally do something over the last three weeks where he's been missing shots left and right, and he finally went four from eight from downtown, even though I, I texted you and said, he just had two ugly shots where he didn't even hit, it didn't even look like he hit the backboard half the time. One of them hit the backboard, it was a big brick, and then the other one hit like the side of the, of the backboard or something. He didn't even hit rim on both ones. And that's when it comes down to he's trying to force things. He's trying to have you know the Latvian laser. He's trying to be that guy. And it's like, dude, you don't have to be that guy when it comes down to trying to uh, you know tie the game or make the game a three. You know, get that two and, and work back on defense. I know we are terrible at defense, but you know work your way back and try and get a stop. I mean, Philly, you, you, you saw it. They fouled Ben Simmons because he, he's apparently terrible at free throws. Yeah. And he missed two of them. He's so you're, you're looking at it and saying, you could have easily done something of that nature. I mean, like, remember the hack a shack era where, you know, they just kept smack, smacking Shaq all the time to try to make him, uh, you know, and then hack a Howard and all this kind of stuff. I mean, there's situations where you can try to get stops in those situations. Uh, and and then, then we just, you know, kept trying to force shots, it felt like. And that's the thing about Beal. Is I think late in the game, Beal was trying to do too much, and then I think Westbrook was trying to do a little bit too much as well, and that's why they kept getting all those turnovers. But when it comes down to it, I think another thing that we have to look at is how well our center trio, I guess you could yeah. say, played. Oh, for sure. Me and you talked about Alex Lennon. Why is he only playing like three minutes and he's a starter? It makes no <laughs> sense. He finally played 16 minutes, had 12 points. Yeah, he played when- pretty well. I mean, he, he played decently. I mean, obviously his plus minus wasn't good, but at the same time, you look at it, he played pretty well, and you need a big body with Embiid to try to body him up because Gafford, yes, Gafford has a lot of skills, but Gafford isn't as big as Embiid. He's given up, I think, like 60 pounds or something of that nature. Uh, Robin Lopez is the one that matches up with him the best, um, but you look at Gafford, Gafford played lights out. I mean, he had 12 points, six boards, only 20 minutes. He was six of six on the field, uh, plus 14. It's, it's, you're looking at it and saying, this guy needs to get re-signed because we talked about it on our podcast multiple times, and you especially, 
uh, talked about in our podcast because you had to issue an apology to him. <laughs> but this guy, you hey, know, we're past that. We're past. Oh, we're past that, it. We're past it. We're past it. Uh, but this guy, I mean, he just he was playing lights out, and, it, and he was. I mean, you could see him out there just like you know huffing and puffing because of how much he had to do to try to keep him beat off the boards or whoever it may be that he was guarding at the time. And I just think the center trio was actually playing pretty well, so that's a good sign. But like I said before, Beal and Westbrook. You know, you have to trust your teammates at some point. Now, I understand that some people, you know, lately haven't been making threes or haven't been making open looks, but you have to trust your teammates at some point. You can't just force it because Beal, you know, he had a couple turnovers, like you said, late late there when I think Robin Lopez came to set a screen, and then I think uh, Thibel or someone, someone was guarding him, and they ended up turning it over, and then Bertans uh, created a foul like two seconds later. But that's the thing is you have to make sure that you're not doing too much because it looked like he was forcing a lot of the issue when he was trying to drive in there. And then uh, they were trying to force him left and doing different things of that nature uh, to the point where it's like at some point, if they're going to force you to do that, and they're going to try to double you or they're going to try to do different things. You got to trust uh, Neto or you got to trust, uh, you know, Rui to, to make a three or or to make an open. I mean, look. would you would you trust Neto, Mike? Uh, well, I, I bet I, I bet on him to make one three the game after. I told you that. I, I, I bet on him to make one single three the day after he scored like 26 points, and he didn't get a single bucket that game. Of course. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't trust Neto, so I'll take that back. But you have to trust you, Ish Smith maybe, Rui. You have, to, you have to trust somebody else to make a shot, and at that point, you know, the game was kind of uh, kind of being forced. But at the same time, look, looking at it, it was a good game. Just didn't work out in our favor in the end. Yeah, I mean, for these, for for to be successful in the playoffs, you really need to have a a, a really good third guy, and and that's what the Wizards really kind of miss. I mean, Rui is is getting there, but he's not quite there yet. Um, but he he had a good game, but he's still not a, a third guy on a playoff team yet. So it's really just going to be Russ and Beal, like you said, that they, they kind of force the issue at times, and that's where what comes back to bite them. Right. Um. And. You know, I think, but I do think, Mike, I do think that this is not going to be a four-game sweep. I, I, I don't think my, so either. I, 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 my opinion was a six-game series. The Wizards lose in six. I thought they could take two games. The, tonight was actually the game that I thought they would take. I think a, a game one sometimes can go to the underdog because the other team kind of takes them lightly or something like that, and you're able to kind of punch them in the mouth a little bit right off the bat. Didn't happen, but it was close. And I think I think tonight the Wizards kind of made Philly step back and go, okay, well, this team is not just going to be a pushover. Uh, right. I, this is going to be a tougher series. Now, do I think it's still going to go six? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if the Wizards have the, the firepower to get this to six. But, hey, uh, Russ didn't play his best game today. I think if Russ is playing better, I think, and you get, you know, somebody get Rui or somebody to put up 15 or something like that. I, I think that can change things. But, I mean, yeah, guarding Embiid is going to be tough. And Lopez did, tried. But at the same time, Embiid has a, such a quick first couple steps that he just blows by guys. And he did that to Lopez because, as you and I know, I mean, Lopez has those cement shoes um, <laughs> where he just cannot move laterally as quickly as you really need to against a guy like Embiid, and that's why Embiid's so good. But it, it, it was a tough one. It was a tough one for the yeah. Wiz, and, you know, they, they do have a full you know full series to go, so we'll kind of see how this one plays out, and we'll be keeping you uh, in the loop with our, our opinions on our podcast. Again, you can follow us on 
uh, social media on Twitter at the DC crossover and at Cerrone 16 for Mike. Um, final topic here before we wrap things up to, tonight, Mike, I wanted to touch briefly on the Washington Nationals because it, it was a DC sports day and that included the baseball team. And Mike, this is a team that, you know, has been playing really, really well. I mean, this is a team that's on a roll. You had, um, well, uh, let me clarify. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting wait, for you to clarify. Wait, wait. I was that. about to say, what am I? What am I talking about? I'm giving this team <laughs> way too much props. Okay. Well, you had you had the Arizona series win, uh, which was solid. You lose three or four to the Cubs. Not great, uh, but you play a team like Baltimore, who is not as terrible as they've been in the past. I mean, this is a Baltimore team that, yes, they're in last place in that division. They're 17 and 29, but at the same time, you know, the Nats going into the series, I think, had 17 wins. So, you know, it's not like they were the, that much better than the Orioles as they've been in the past. But I think it was really important for this team to get the sweep. I think it really – this was really, really important for the Nets because uh, now you've got a team like Cincinnati that, I, I, you know, is a pretty good ball club coming up. But I, I feel like the Nats have a chance to possibly take that series and things like that. So I, I, you've got to try to find a role and, and get on a roll. And it seems like the Nats did a pretty good job this week. I mean, this was a, a 6-5 one-run game that uh, the Nats were able to hold on to the win and, and get the, and hand gets the save and they don't blow it for once. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing is I even texted in our little text thread. I was like, at least we're taking care of the O's. I mean, it's like, I mean, at the <laughs> same time, th th this is the thing about baseball is that once you get on a nice little roll and you get the bats rolling and your pitchers are you know keeping you in the game, even though Corbin did let up like four runs or whatever it was in the first inning. And I think it was the last two games that they've had two bad first innings, but they came back. It, it, it just goes to show you that as long as you can get a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a, a momentum streak going, you can actually take some of these games. Now you got Scherzer on the bump on Tuesday against Cincinnati uh, at home, and you got Joe Ross. We'll see if he has one of his good outings, and you got Strasburg again. So you're looking at these next, uh, you know, two of the next three games and having two uh, of all stars pretty much uh, going out there and trying to win two out of three against Cincinnati, and hopefully you can do that. The biggest thing that I look at is. You got two series coming up at home. So you got three total in a row coming up against Baltimore, Cincinnati, and Milwaukee. Now, these three teams aren't world beaters. Now they got some good players on their on their squads, don't get me wrong, but they're not world beaters. So in these next six games, you should probably try to win at least four, if not five of these games. Now, five may be a little bit of a stretch. Uh, because obviously you have some of these guys in there, like a Joe Ross who you never know what's gonna happen, or John Lester who didn't pitch that well the other day. But at the same time, you got guys like a Corbin. Scherzer's pitching two of the next six. Strasburg's in there as well on Thursday. These are the two series that you have to go out there and try to make a little turn. Maybe go back and see if you can get into 500. Now, it's going to be hard to do that, but if you can get back up to 500, and that's, I think that only takes uh, maybe it's five games or something like that. They're 20 and 23 right now, but I don't. I didn't do the math. But at the same time, if you can get close well, Mike, to 500. Mike, here's the thing. To get to 500, you have to have the same number of wins as you do losses. I know. I, well, I know that. But I'm trying to look at the math while I'm <laughs> trying to I'm trying to do it. It's 1050. I don't even know. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. Um, and uh, <laughs> obvious, obviously, I, I had a nice little rum and coke during the Cavs game because I needed it. And uh, I, I didn't was going to mention that, but I did anyways. Um, so there you go. Um, but then you have you know three or two crucial series against Atlanta and Philly on the road 
Um, then you have a tough Tampa Bay team as well. So you're looking at these two series against Cincinnati, Milwaukee, and you're hoping that they can, I would say, at least win four out of uh, four out of six. And uh, you know they can have two letdowns in there, but you got you got to start getting on a little streak here because yes, it's getting a little bit late. Um, you know where you're looking at it and saying, hey, these this team starts slow, but you know three or four of the next four of the last five, I should say, has been pretty well, but. You have to start getting on a streak here because they've been saying on the radio, on you know, local, uh, you know, DC sports talk and different things of that nature, and on podcasts I've been listening to uh, for for baseball that they're like the Nats always start slow, but at the same time, you know, they have to, you know, you know, get back into a groove, and you know, we're getting some guys back and we're doing this and doing that, but you kind of start getting on a little win streak, especially against teams like Baltimore. Now, I love the O's. The O's have a nice soft spot in my heart, but I'm just glad we, we, we kicked the snot out of them uh, <laughs> the, the series, and we, and we got three wins. So yeah. hopefully we can win four of the next uh, six at least, if not more, and, uh, and then go into that Atlanta series and Philly uh, on at least a little momentum streak. Yeah, kind of a wild series. A lot of weird scoring in this Baltimore right. series. But, hey, the, the, the good thing is, is the NL East is still just an absolute – just weird, weird division this season. I mean, the Nats are in last place, and they're two and a half games back. <laughs> right, exactly, so exactly. It's all over the place. Still a lot of time for the Nats to find a way back into this race, especially this early on. But we're heading into June, heading into month three of the baseball season. Well, Mike, as we wrap things up here, the Caps talk will be uh, put on hold. We'll be talking off season and such coming up on the podcast. But for now, we'll focus on the Washington Wizards. It lasted Wizards. one week. It lasted one week. Yeah, that's all we got. <laughs> that's all we got. But we'll be talking Washington Wizards basketball uh, for as long as they're in the playoffs. And then next oh. thing you know, it's going to be all baseball talk and a little bit of Washington football team season oh preview. So the best way to stay in touch with the show, follow us on Twitter at the DC crossover for myself and the main show. And you can follow Mike and his takes at Cerrone 16 best ways to keep up with us. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel. We'll, we promote that on our Twitter. So go to our Twitter and we'll show you the links for that. It's still in its infancy. So give us a little bit of break, but subscribe to that for, for now. And we'll get some clips and things like that up there. Um, and then of course you can catch us right here on the contender every single week. You can hear the clips of our show and uh, we were just so glad we were able to get on this thing and, and do a little live reactions from the one of the bigger days in D.C. sports history, Mike. Uh, before we wrap things up, any final thoughts on your end on this day of losing, I guess, besides the Nats? <laughs> I was about to say the exact same thing, that it would have been a little bit nicer to be talking about a win and a possible uh, you know, comeback in the series, but... Not a lot of thoughts. I mean, it, it definitely is heartbreaking to see the Caps go down like that because we've been through that so many, so many, so many, so many, so many times uh, to the point where, you know, every single season it's like, hopefully we don't get bounced out in the first round. The Caps always do this to us, but I'm trying to stay positive and trying to, you know, look forward to the next season uh, and, and see what we can do next season. And hopefully the fans get back and different things of that nature. But Obviously, the Nats, as we just talked about, have won three straight, and uh, I'm going <laughs> to stay with that because right. right now that's the only D.C. team that's winning. Apparently. Well, tomorrow's only a day away. We'll see you guys next week. Listen to the podcast. Listen to the contender. That is Mike Cerrone. I am Ben Simpson. This has been a special live episode of the D.C. Crossover. We will see you guys next